0: Well, good morning. good morning. Oh, you look good. Sound good? I think Sunday school did some of you some good. Amen. Amen. Do want to remind you next Sunday, actually Saturday night, uh we have to set our clocks ahead, all right? So uh, spring ahead, fall back. So make sure you do that next Saturday, so you'll be on time for everything next Sunday morning as well, all right? Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 19 and 20, and then 24 and 25, and um, we're beginning a, a five-week journey to Easter, and I'll explain a little bit more as we go through, but um, uh, just so you know, we're we're actually going to kind of uh, celebrate Easter for five weeks. Um, uh, in reality, every Sunday is a celebration of Easter, though, right? So, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna focus uh, for the next five weeks uh, through Easter uh, on Easter, um, and uh, the the series is entitled "Believe," and you'll understand a little bit more in a few minutes. John chapter 20 verses 19 and 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. That's verse 24. Uh, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. We're actually beginning, I think, a very exciting journey through the lives of uh, some of the New Testament characters and what it meant to be a believer, and how uh, most of them came to be true followers of Christ, true believers. Uh, The series is actually uh, put out by the Skit Guys, and they have produced some uh, modern-day videos to go along with each of the five stories. And uh, I'm going to warn you now, uh, these are powerful videos, um, uh, and they are very touching stories, uh, the way they've done them, and uh, they have moved me over the past few weeks as I have watched them several times now. Um, We're going to see that after Jesus arose from the grave on that first Easter morning, His followers became known as believers. Now they were known by several other names, as most of you know by now. Uh, they were called disciples. Uh, they were called uh, followers of the way, uh, and eventually uh, the name Christian uh, uh, st- were kind of stuck. It was a, a term of derision uh, to begin with. They were Christ-like, a little little Christ Christians, um, but we wear that title with pride today. Amen? Uh, We are followers of Christ. We are true believers. But uh, shortly after the resurrection, that was really one of the words that was most used to describe those that follow Jesus Christ. They were believers. And and it's a simple title, if you think about it, a simple name, believers. Um, But in order to be a follower of the Son of God, the Savior of the world, you had to believe. And that is still true today. In fact, it is my prayer that over the next few weeks, as we approach and celebrate Easter, that many will come to believe and be called believers. Joel, I want you to play that video now.
1: Somebody called me a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. Disciple. Had a nice ring to it. It felt um, strong. You realized you were a part of something much bigger than yourself. Sometimes it was really, really tough. See, I, I can't begin to describe just how disorienting things were back then I mean one minute Jesus is telling you about uh, the gift of life and the next minute it seems like he's just gonna let us drown in the middle of the sea <laughs> spoiler alert we didn't drown <laughs> sure seemed like we were going to looking back on it I realized that Jesus didn't waste a moment he was always showing us that he was who he said he was which i know begs the question how can we doubt him yeah i tend to be the one that gets asked that more than anybody because for some reason doubter has been connected with my name for the record i wasn't the only one It's just, I wasn't there the day that Jesus appeared to everyone else. I, I, I was gone. And, and so I didn't, there, Look, the finality of death, it has a, uh, a choking grip on all of us. And on that day, Jesus was crucified when um, when death swallowed him up. And then there was the day that um, they showed me his hands and the scars. And he said, Thomas, you believe because you see there's going to be people who believe and don't see And that night, changed everything. I mean, I was still a disciple, but now, now I was an apostle. Sent to share the good news, to tell a story. You know, there's a, uh, there's another word started with a few of us, began to spread. I think it's the best word of all. It says everything that needs to be said because we realize it wasn't about how well we believed. It was about who we believed in. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yeah, from that moment on, we were called believers.
0: Everybody here probably has heard the saying, seeing is believing. You may not know that came from a 17th century English minister by the name of Thomas Fuller. And the entire saying goes, seeing is believing, but feeling is the truth. Today, we're going to look at a man who uh, epitomized at least the first part of that saying, Thomas. And I can only imagine that he had a lot of feelings that went along with what he saw, especially after he saw Jesus' hands. And Thomas did get to see a resurrected Jesus. We've already seen from John 20 verses 19 and 20 and 24 and 25 that Thomas wasn't present, as he said in the video, when Jesus appeared to the rest of the disciples. And I've said many times, I am glad he was not there. I'm glad there is a Thomas who doubted, who had to see for himself. I'm glad Thomas wanted to see so that he could believe. And his testimony in Scripture helps me believe and helps me to be a believer. So why the doubt? Why the doubt? That's the first question that comes to most people's mind. Why did Thomas doubt? In verses 24 and 25, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands in the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Believe. Most people disparage Thomas because of his doubt, but I think we need to look honestly at why he doubted, what was behind his doubt before we judge him, and certainly before people judge him harshly. Now there have been a lot of explanations as to why Thomas doubted over the years, um, uh, and why he had such a hard time believing his fellow uh, disciples. If you think about it, they had no reason to lie to him, right? And he, he had been with them for several years now, and so he knew them well. He knew their character. He knew they weren't liars. Uh, and so why didn't he just accept what they told him, that Jesus was alive and they had seen him? Now, some scholars believe that his doubt was born from his deep sorrow, You know, grief can cause a person to doubt. We all grieve in different ways. In fact, I think this story indicates that truth. John made it clear uh, that after Jesus' death, all of the disciples were together except Thomas. Now, I want you to think about that. All of the disciples, after Jesus was crucified, all of the disciples got together, all but Thomas. Why was Thomas not there? And I think part of that can be explained, some people, in order to grieve, need other people around them. They, they grieve corporately, if you will. They need people to grieve with. And that appears, at least, to be uh, what the other disciples needed and decided to do to gather together to grieve their loss but Thomas wasn't there so the uh, Bible doesn't tell us why he wasn't there but maybe Thomas was a different kind of a griever maybe Thomas was one of those people that grieved privately maybe the pain of losing Jesus was so deep for Thomas That he couldn't bear the thought of meeting with other disciples and and rehashing all that had happened. Maybe he was absent at that first meeting simply because he grieved differently than they grieved. Maybe he just needed some time to process his hurt. And think about it they had left everything to follow Jesus, and now he was dead. It wasn't how things were supposed to go. And so maybe he just needed some time to try to figure out all that's going on, all that had happened, and 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 he needed to do that privately on his own. My guess is they're all probably trying to figure out how did they miss the plan. And so maybe he wasn't with the others on the first appearance of Jesus simply because he was hurting too deeply. And he needed some time alone. Some of you understand that. You grieve, but you grieve privately. Others believe that uh, he was absent because of what he had seen with his own eyes and knew to be true. Jesus was arrested and hauled away by the guards. He had seen that. He knew that Jesus was crucified. He knew that Jesus died on that cross and that He was buried in a tomb. And those were undeniable facts. And dead men don't come back to life. Dead men don't meet you in closed rooms. Dead men don't eat with you. Dead men don't walk. Dead men don't talk. And if we're all honest, I think every one of us in this room would be like Thomas, we would doubt that Jesus were alive. Over the past 35 years of being a a pastor, I have presided over a lot of funerals and been to many others. I can't tell you the number of people that I have seen lying in caskets. I've watched, and it is my a tradition, if you will, to stand with the funeral directors and the family if they're there and watch the casket be closed. I've watched the family and friends carry those caskets to the cemetery. Sometimes I have participated in those events. And if you were to try to convince me that any one of those people were alive today, I would not believe you because of what I have seen. And so I don't fault Thomas. In fact, I'm glad for Thomas. He knew what he knew. And unless he saw something different, he wasn't going to believe And if you put those two issues together, maybe his deep hurt and needing to grieve along with what he had seen, his knowledge of the events of the crucifixion, I think it makes perfect sense that he wasn't ready just to throw all that away and just accept what other men said. Every person processes death differently. And every person, still today, processes what happened to Jesus in your own way. Every person has to process that. We share the gospel with people and we wonder why they don't just instantly believe. It's because they have to process the information. This whole plan of salvation has to, has to be a process that you go through. We call Thomas Doubting Thomas. But later on, he's the first person in the gospel to actually call Jesus my Lord and my God. So much for a doubter. He became a believer. Now, I want us to back up and see the path to belief by several people here. There are different paths to belief. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 8... Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. Highlight that in your Bible. John came to the tomb first. He looked in and saw an empty tomb, and he believed in the resurrection. He believed that Jesus was alive. The biblical biblical scholar Tom Long wrote, the beloved disciple, unlike the others, believes in the resurrection in the light of Jesus' absence. Now I want you to pay attention to this. John believed by what he didn't see. Did you catch that? John believed by what he didn't see. There was no body in the tomb. Think about the different paths that John and Peter and Thomas took to get to the same place. They saw an empty tomb and believed. They believed because of what they didn't see. Thomas would believe because of what he did see. The scars. But all three of these men believed. They just took different paths to the truth. Two believed because of what they didn't see. Thomas believed because of what he did see. And all three of them give us reasons to believe today. Two of them saw an empty tomb and believed. One of them saw scars in the hands and believed. I don't know about you, that gives me reason to believe. And then, in just a few verses, Mary would believe because she sees and then hears Jesus call her name. Her belief came the moment she heard her name. In fact, she had seen the empty tomb and didn't believe. She had seen the two angels at the tomb and didn't believe. She had even seen the resurrected Jesus and thought He was just the gardener and didn't believe. But the moment that Jesus said her name, Mary, she turned around, called Him Rabboni, Because she believed. You think about that. That's just four people. Different paths to Jesus. Different paths to belief. John, Peter, they saw an empty tomb and believed. Thomas saw nail scarred hands and believed. Mary heard her name and believed. Different paths, same outcome. Different proofs, same faith. John saw an empty slab of rock. Verse 8 is clear, and he believed. By the way, John saw what we see today. Absolutely nothing. Isn't that amazing? He saw what we see, nothing. We don't have any video of Jesus coming out of the tomb. All we have are the words of others of what they either saw or didn't see <laughs> or what they heard or what they felt. But thankfully, we have a lot of people who saw and heard the risen Christ. And we even have angels' words on this. You didn't think about that? Mark sixteen six says, But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. That's angels speaking. And so today, listen to me, you have the same choice that they had and that everybody through the ages has, everybody has in, in, in the future until the Lord returns. You have a choice to believe or not. Everybody has the same choice. I can't believe for you and you can't believe for me. And we all have different paths. And we all have different ways that that help us to believe. But the bottom line is it's still your choice. You have to decide whether you're going to believe it or not. And that's what Jesus was dealing with with Thomas. Look at John 20, verses 26 through 29. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst, and said, peace to you. I've said this many times. Every time I read this, I say the same thing. He would have to say, peace to you to me. Because if somebody appears out of nowhere in a locked room, I'm going to freak out. In fact, it's probably going to take more than a piece to you to calm me down, especially if it was a dead man. Now, I'm just being honest with you. I read that and I'm thinking, peace to you, he'd have to be over there going, somebody got some smelling salts? We got to wake Dave up. And then he said to Thomas, what, a, what an incredible God we have. This, this is the Son of God, says to Thomas, reach your finger here. Remember what Thomas said, unless I touch them, unless I put my, my fingers in his nail-scarred hands, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus said, here they are. Go ahead and touch them. "'Reach your hand here.'" Jesus' words. "'Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe.'" Thomas said to him, "'My Lord and my God.'" Jesus said to him, "'Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed.'" See, Jesus knew that the majority of the people through time would have to believe in Him without seeing Him physically raised from the dead. And every one of us today that is a true follower of Jesus Christ is saved by believing in His life, death, burial, and resurrection without seeing any of it. And so as Jesus was talking to Thomas, he was referring to us. Don't you feel special now? I know I do. And he said, we are blessed. I want you to catch this. He said, we are blessed because we have believed without seeing him. We are blessed to believe without seeing him. First Peter has a little better explanation of that. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 9 says, In this you greatly rejoice, now, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, if I understand at least a small part of that passage, It is saying that because we have believed without seeing, we have a special joy in this life that rises above our circumstances even when our circumstances are difficult. And that joy, if I understand what Jesus was saying, That joy will sustain us until the day that Jesus completes our salvation and we will be physically with Him. Now I want you to think about what that means then. If we will believe in Jesus without seeing Him, we will be ultimately blessed with seeing Him. Did you catch what he said? the completion of the salvation of our souls so if we can believe listen if you're watching and you can believe without seeing Jesus if you can believe in him you'll get to see him and just the thought of that brings me joy in this life that nothing else can I Because I have believed in Jesus when I didn't see Him, will get to see Him. That brings joy. Jesus was telling Thomas a great truth. If you believe in Him without seeing, you're blessed. You get a supernatural joy now and you get the certainty of seeing Jesus later but you must first believe don't miss that John and Mary and Peter and Thomas were all able to believe they each took different paths to get there but they all believed in the same truth the same reality the same Risen Jesus so Thomas started with a certain doubt but he ended up believing please hear me it doesn't matter where you start what matters is where you end he started with doubt but he ended in believing that's the issue That led then to the last thing that we see in this story of Thomas, a believer. There is the confession of belief. John 20, verse 28 says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God... I hope everyone listening and watching understands this truth. In order to be a true follower of Christ, a true believer, there needs to be confession. Romans 10.10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice what Paul said. First you believe, then you confess that belief. And over the next four more weeks now, we're going to see that word believe a lot. But I I, I don't want you to forget that when you believe, you need to confess. That next step needs to take place. You need to confess with your mouth that you believe. That's why we have invitations at the end of our services. See, we want people to do both. We want people to believe and confess. Now, there are several good reasons to do that. Over the years, I've had people ask me, well, why why do I have to come forward? Why do I have to confess? Why do I have to make that public profession of faith? Why do I have to be baptized? Why, you know, all of us, why? Because the Bible says to do it. That, that's, that's enough of a reason, because God's Word says that's what you need to do, believe and confess. And by the way, we mistakenly think that confession is a one-time event. It is not. Thomas spent the rest of his life preaching and teaching what he saw that allowed him to be a believer. He shared that with the rest of the world. Thomas not only believed that Jesus died and arose for the sins of the world, he believed that Jesus died and arose for his sins. And many scholars believe that Thomas took the gospel all the way to India. In fact, in India today, there are faith groups that trace their heritage back to Thomas. Thomas was eventually killed uh, by a spear. Uh, He was martyred because of his testimony of Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus died and rose again. So Thomas didn't just make the confession about Jesus when he saw his hands and his side. He made that confession the rest of his life, that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. And that's what we're called to do Not just confess Jesus once, but to spend the rest of our lives confessing that He, in fact, is a risen Lord. If Thomas's life teaches us anything, it's that God's love doesn't love us less when we have doubts. God can handle that. We've talked about that many times through the years. God can handle that. He's big enough. Jesus was extremely gracious to Thomas just eight days after he arose from the grave. You know what that tells me? That's good news. He's still that gracious because he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so he was that gracious with Thomas, and he'll be that gracious with you and with me as well. In fact, I, I believe Jesus knew Thomas's doubts, lack of faith, whatever you want to label him. And in fact, I think he used that to bring more people to himself than maybe uh, many of the other disciples Who didn't require that? We're going to spend the next five weeks looking at Easter. Every Sunday, though, we celebrate Easter. In fact, we celebrate Easter every time someone becomes a believer. And so my question to you today is this, will you be the next Thomas? Right now, Jesus is inviting you to believe that he really is risen, that he really is the Son of God, that he really went to the cross, that he really died for your sins, that he arose on the third day, and and he is asking you to believe that still. And you can't see his hands or his side or his feet. He's asking you to believe without seeing. But he gave us an account of one, actually, many, but specifically Thomas, who had to see in order to believe. And Scripture is clear he believed. Will you? You have doubts? It's okay. Find the faith it takes to believe. And then confess it. You know what I found? When you truly come to that point where you know you're a sinner and deserve hell but you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, and you accept that, you believe that, you don't have a problem telling others. You don't have a problem with confession. Will you be the next Thomas? Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. Will you believe? Heavenly Father, we come before your throne. And Lord, I know that for some the journey is different than, than for some of the rest of us. And we have seen from your word, just just in this one chapter, uh, different people had different paths to belief, but they all believed. All of our stories are different, everyone in this room, everyone watching this, our paths are different, our personalities are different, our sins are different. For those of us that know you, Lord, our paths were different, but we all came to the same conclusion we believed. We placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, His life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And without seeing any of that, we believed. Right now, Lord, I, I have to believe that there's some listening, watching, some here that they're struggling with that, and they want to believe, and their hearts cry is they want to believe. I believe if Thomas is saying anything when he talked to those disciples, he wanted to believe. He just needed a different path. Lord, I pray that the path he took will help those that are struggling right now with belief. The Lord, they believe. They place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And they take that next step then that Thomas took. They believed and they confessed it. And Lord, I pray that all of us continually with our lives are confessing that we are followers of Christ. That we're believers. Move in This place and in the hearts of those that are watching. May you get all the glory. We pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We're going to stand and sing. If God is dealing with you, would you?